Hello everyone, my name is Doug Weckenman. I'm the lead pastor of Red Rocks Austin. Welcome to Religion Rehab. This is a midweek conversation about rebuilding, restoring, and getting on with our lives. This is part two of a podcast that we have called The Forest and the Tree, where me and Ryan have a conversation about the most effective tool that we've come across for rehabbing religion. Let's get started. Guys, welcome to another episode of Religion Rehab. My name is Doug Weckenman. This is my little brother, Ryan. I refer to him as the seminary nerd, the theology genius. I go to him with every difficult question I have. If I get asked tough questions or email tough questions, I just forward them to Ryan. Uh, In this podcast, you'll hear me uh, defer a lot of the tough stuff to him. And so it works out. He's my little brother and uh, he kind of has to do what I say. So Um, So that's why he's here. Religion Rehab, for those of you who don't know, last fall at Red Rocks Austin, um, we we did a series that we called Religion Rehab, and it struck a good chord with a lot of people. Um, And we realized we could talk about topics beneath the banner of Religion Rehab all day, every day, because there's just so much there. So why not start some more conversations where we can dive deeper into stuff that we might not always get to talk about on, on Sundays? And so basically, just to reiterate and remind everybody up front, I'll stop saying this eventually, but now, right now, it has to be said, Christianity, for those of you who don't know, and I've said this too, even if you've heard this a million times, it's kind of like pizza. You've had pizza a million times, but it's still good every time. And just because you had dinner last night doesn't mean you don't need dinner tonight. Christianity is a relationship before it's a religion, before it's rules. So in Christianity, there's an order that's very, very key. And if you get the order wrong, you miss the heart of God and you have something other than Christianity. And I always refer back to the woman caught in adultery. And you can go read about this story in John chapter 8. But Jesus um, steps between this woman caught in adultery. He stands between her and this angry mob of rock-yielding Pharisees who are about to stone her for being a sinner. And Jesus basically is, is a voice for the voiceless and her advocate. And then he goes to her after he dismisses the mob. And he says two things, and he says them in this order. He says, woman, does anybody condemn you? And she says, nobody. And he says, well, neither do I. Your sins are now forgiven. And we'll call that grace. We'll call that belonging, right? We'll call that relationship. And then he says, now go and now change something about your life. Now leave your life of sin. Now sin no more. And he says it in that order. And we we oftentimes as human beings, because religion is an easy way for us to kind of calculate how we're doing. We're either good at it or bad at it. And as humans, we just love to be able to, to measure. But relationships are messy. God came for a relationship and we just need to embrace the mess way more often and honestly start to enjoy the messiness of 
relationships. And so this is about getting the order right again. And it's about rehabbing from all of the fallout that you might have in your life because you got the order wrong or a pastor or a leader or a Christian or somebody else in your life got the order wrong. And because they treated it as a religion or as rules first, it maybe scarred you or wounded you along the way. This is why so many people have baggage from from Christians or they've been hurt by the church. And that is so real. And that's why we're doing this podcast. However, the point of this podcast is not to bash and it's not just to, to, to make a case for why all of us are rightfully hurt. You cannot fix a problem with the same consciousness that created the problem. And this is a podcast about getting above it. This is a podcast about rehabbing and restoring so we can get on with our lives whole and complete in relationship with Jesus. And this is part two of a podcast that we are calling The Forest and the Tree. And essentially what we're talking about is is kind of consciousness level, for lack of a better way to say it. And, and, And we used this example last time. In the Amazon rainforest, obviously there's a lot of trees. And I know that saying, is it the forest... For the trees, don't you miss, miss the, the forest for the trees. You don't don't miss the forest for the trees. That when you're down in it, it's easy to just see the tree that's in front of you. But there is a tower in the Amazon rainforest called the Amazon Tall Tower. And you can actually climb it. I think there's something like fifteen thousand steps. It's either fifteen hundred or fifteen thousand. We'll say fifteen thousand. Just don't go Google it to prove me wrong. Just I'm going to say it confidently so you That's just right. believe me. Guys, Sounds better. There is, it's 15,000 steps, mm, the Amazon Tall Tower, and you can climb it, and the higher you get, you start to get a, a vantage point and a larger perspective of the entire forest. And, and that's really what the what Jesus came to model for us is that kind of consciousness. So you wanna do you wanna explain that, Ray? Yeah, yeah. So we're not just making up this this whole you gotta think from a higher level. This is us trying to follow in the footsteps of Jesus, because this is exactly what Jesus did. Last week we used the example of Jesus in the temple where um, a bunch of religious leaders are trying to trap him, trying to trick him. And at one point they say, hey, Jesus, should we pay the temple tax? Mm -hmm. Which is essentially them saying, hey, Jesus, should we sell out and join this whole like Roman force? Or should we turn our back on Rome and get thrown in prison and kind of take our stand, right? It's a very either or type of question. Jesus takes it. You guys know the story. And he says, well, um, let me see a coin, right? Whose image is on the coin? They say Caesar, and he says, okay, then render to Caesar what is Caesar's and to God what is God. And as we talked about at length last time around, this is a callback to page one of the Bible that everybody present that day would have understood. Just like you talked about on Sunday, Genesis 1, 26, 27, 28 talks about how we are made in the image of God. So what Jesus is saying back in the temple is he's going, okay, so a coin has Caesar's image on it. Great. Give to Caesar what is Caesar's. Pay your taxes. Not a big deal. The bigger deal is whose image is on you. God. So then give everything that you are to God. In other words, Jesus takes 
a moment where people are trying to trap him and he somehow brilliantly turns it into this sermon that he can preach and everybody who was trying to trap him is just like, well, he he beat us and he preached the gospel at the same time, right? This is just what Jesus does. It's like he climbed those 15,000 steps and he got up higher yeah. and, and saw higher. Because so, they wanted an either or answer. Jesus, is it this or is it this? Is it black or is it white? Because we want things, once again, simple. And Jesus said, how about we get up higher than that and we see the more full picture? So this is what we're talking about, right? Because today, more than ever, we need Christian leaders and Christians just in general. We're, we're all Christian leaders who can step up and uh, think higher than these either or categories that we like to try to answer the world. Because the, ans- the, the world is complex. Mm-hmm. It's getting more and more complex. And these questions that we're faced with even now as you guys all know, in the middle of this pandemic, should we go out? Should we not go out? Should we keep doing church? Should we not do church? They aren't either or questions. It's not that simple, right? right? And so we're taking a cue from Jesus and we're learning how to think higher. So that's all of that is a, a recap from um, where we're going. In fact, last week or last time around, we gave you four ways to learn how to think higher uh, about situations. And so, Doug, let's, let's real quick, let's give them a reminder of what those four ways are. Do it. And then we'll move into four brand new ways for you all to practice this week. So last week, uh, last time around, we said, number one, learn to listen. Yeah. We live in a world where uh, people love, and I'll include myself in this, we love to give our opinions about things. We love to talk. In fact, have Actually, you ever... can I give my opinion on that? <laughs> nice. Have you ever, uh, Doug, been in a moment, in a situation where you are in a conversation listening to somebody else talk and the whole time you're just formulating your response? Yeah, and not really listening. That's right. Uh-huh. That's right, right? So um, we do it all the time. I'm, I'm guilty of this for sure. Um, I was doing it just a second ago until you called me out without knowing it. Yeah, well, yeah. this is in love, Doug. Okay. Um, we get opportunities. Anytime that happens to you this week, what if you just stopped and in a non-judgmental way, you, you just saw it, you, you called it out in yourself, and, and you said, okay, I'm not going to work on my response in, in a desire to, to like be right. I'm going to sit here and love and listen to what this person is saying. It's not easy but it makes you so much more present in conversations. Um, I'm not great at this one, but I'm, I'm working on it. It's refreshing too. And then number two, we said proximity in one word. So I heard a quote that says, proximity creates passion and distance creates distortion. And we can make huge points about different groups of people or different opinions, and it's because we're not close to those people or close to those opinions. But the moment, I mean, let, let, let's go back to the, the woman caught in adultery. Mm. Our friend Chad says this all the time, like human beings are obsessed with the behaviors of people, but Jesus is obsessed with the backstory behind the behavior. So every behavior has a backstory. And when you have distance, when you're far away, um, you're going to look at the behavior and you're going to judge that and you're going to assume it's... It's this way or that way because you're not close. And and even if you don't change your mind, proximity is going to allow you to see the person beneath all the problems and the backstory beneath all the behavior. I think you said it that like it's really hard to hate somebody up close, really hard to hate somebody up close. And so the closer you are, you're going to start to see the person. And uh, and that right there is a win. And so, yeah, proximity is number two. Thank you for 
saying I said that. I'm pretty sure I stole that from Brene Brown. I'm not, I'm not positive, but that's an honor for me to be in the same category as her. We just quoted Chad and Brene Brown in I one know. answer. That's, that's pretty good. Not bad. Okay, number three, we said get creative, mm-hmm. right? This isn't easy to do. It's like, um, it's like a muscle, learning how to think higher about, about situations, how to deal with conflict from a, a higher altitude is the same thing as saying like, like well, I can't do that because I'm just not very strong. Mm-hmm. What we would say to you is, well, you got to work out, right? You got to exercise the muscle. And so mm-hmm. um, I, we gave the challenge that every time you find yourself in a situation uh, this week where you're, you're faced with an either or, or mm-hmm. you're faced with a conflict, what if you saw it as an opportunity to, to get creative and exercise that muscle because I, I do believe that the more we, we practice, the, yeah. the easier it gets. Yeah, that's good. And then last but not least, number four, the ability to say, maybe I'm wrong. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know when it was for you the last time you said, hey, I was wrong. I'm trying to imagine a world where Christians and Christian leaders and pastors and politicians and just people in general, if we were more willing to say, hey, I was wrong about that and I want to own that Uh, when I hear people say that immediately I think I want I want to know you I want you in my life you are awesome that's like one of the coolest things you can say but also the most difficult at the same time and so I want to ask you one more time just to reiterate can you say in your faith in your beliefs in your opinions about politics or religion or faith or whatever it is about God hey I'm I was wrong and I think we would all say like, yeah, like, uh, of course. But when was the last time you actually said it? Like, when was the last time Jesus actually crossed you on something? Yeah. Or you actually admitted, hey, I used to believe that. I don't believe that anymore. Yeah. Like, I've grown. I've climbed the ladder, if you will. I was, I was wrong about that. And I'll, I'll just say this before we get into the rest of it. Every single one of us, you guys, if you tuned in for the last podcast, you heard me say this. Every person listening to this right now, including myself, including Ryan, believes something about God that's wrong. Mm. Believes something about the world that's wrong. Are you completely wrong about God in the world? No, of course not. But you got something wrong. (laughs) You do. And and, and that's just called humility. Like God doesn't require us to have everything right before using us and and seeing fruit in our lives. So you can be effective and still wrong about him at the same time. That's the beauty of it. But it's just that posture of humility that says, hey, I I know I'm wrong about some of the mysteries and complexities of the creator of the universe. That's not a bad thing to say. I might be wrong about this. I reserve the right to be wrong. Now I'm trying and, uh, and I really believe this, but I'm willing to say at the same time I was wrong about that. And so there we go. Learn to listen, proximity, get creative, and maybe I'm wrong. That was last week. So now let's jump in to the second four. <laughs> Longest intro of all time. Now <laughs> it's time to get started. Here we go. Oh, guys, you're, you're looking at a couple <laughs> preachers right here. So we... Uh, we love to reiterate things that you could simply just go back to the last oh, podcast man. and listen to, but uh, hey, it is what it is. I'm Let's sorry. Go. Let's go. Actually, I'm it's not great. sorry. I don't apologize. God made us this way, yeah, guys. Because Take we it up with him. <laughs> we don't all have these things down. No. We're still working on them. Let's go. Oh, yeah. How many times have you had pizza this week? Exactly. Uh, three times already. <laughs> okay, my point exactly. All right, four, four more ways. Here we go. Number one, are you growing in compassion? 
Are you growing in compassion? And so I finished last week by saying, here's like a really good marker about climbing that Amazon tall tower. Or if, if you, and really what that is is just like kind of consciousness. And I know that's like a real new agey sounding word, but it's actually faith-based. It's actually Jesus. He came to show us how to think and see the world at a higher level. Jesus said all the time to his disciples, oh, like, if you could see yeah. what I see. So two people can look at the same thing and see completely different things. Those who have eyes, let them see. It's a higher level of consciousness. And, here, and here's like the main way you know that you're climbing it or that you're growing. If you are simultaneously growing in love and compassion. And so I've had to check myself a few times before, and yeah. I think you'll probably talk about it later going through seminary and all of that. Yeah. But I've, I felt in the past like I've been climbing that tower and growing in my understanding of God. And what it, what it brewed inside of me was not compassion, but rather kind of this self-righteousness and even anger. And so as Christians, it's so weird because we're constantly learning new things about God and about our faith. And this is such an easy trap to fall into. And we've all been there. I've been here so many times where you are suddenly mad at other Christian friends mm. for not knowing something about God or theology mm -hmm. that you literally just yeah. learned about <laughs> Four days ago. Yeah, right. <laughs> and all of a sudden, you learn this brand new thing and it opens up your world about God and your friends still are ignorant to that and they don't know it yet. And all of a sudden, you are self-righteous. All oh, really? of a sudden, you're kind of like, you're, you're mad in a weird way about something you just learned about. You just read about like a few days ago and now subconsciously in your heart, you're, hold, you're, you're holding it over them. And you think you're climbing up a tower, yeah. but actually the main sign that you're doing that, actually what you're doing is you're, you're staying, you found another tree yeah, in the yeah, forest yeah. to sit in front of. Huh. The main sign that love and compassion is brewing inside of you yeah. Or the main sign that you're growing in consciousness, sorry, is love, love and, compassion. and compassion. I think it was Paul. I don't know the verse exactly. It was in a Corinthians, one of them, one of those letters where he said, I can do this, I can do that, I can say this, I can say that, I know that, I know this, but if I don't have love, it's nothing but a resounding gong. And so Christian leaders who are climbing that ladder understand, hey, my role now is not to point out barriers or build more, but rather to build bridges. I'll get, I'll get vulnerable here. Yeah. Um, a little insight um, on me, and we've both been through this, but I remember it was about, I think it was 2013, 2014, mm -hmm. when I... Um, got into Calvinism mm -hmm. and, and I would have called myself a, a Calvinist and all of a sudden yeah. um, I was angry and mad at everybody who wasn't that. Yeah. I would look at all my other friends who believed yeah. in like free will and what I would think is, oh, you don't have the guts. Yeah. You don't have thick enough skin to believe. You're in, not a five-pointer. You're not a five-pointer. Yeah, yeah, you don't yeah, believe yeah. in predestination to the same amount that I do and yeah, yeah. You, you can't swallow this pill. But if you would just grow up, you would believe what I believe. Yeah. And that's a sign of, not the Calvinism part, but my heart in it. Yeah, yeah. No, <laughs> was actually a sign of immaturity. Because we have made the same mistake on the Arminian side of it, which if, if these theological words were thrown out 
mean nothing to you. Don't don't worry about it. Right? It's not it's not that Calvinism is the problem. It's not that Arminianism is the problem. It's it's that going into it with the mindset that yes. you have figured out an infinite God. Yeah. In the couple of decades that you've had to, <laughs> right. to study these things, right? Um, I think. I get it at some level, and yet I believe that God is inviting us. The mysteries of God are so beautiful that they're inviting us into something much bigger and more beautiful than that. That's really well said. I love that. And that posture is so necessary because two years after that, I kind of stopped being a Calvinist. And then all of a sudden, I was mad at yeah, Calvin. Yeah, yeah, right, and so right, the right, theology is right. not the problem. Right. It was my, my heart posture That's thinking, so good, oh, they'll learn. They yeah, will learn yeah. once they get to my level. Wait, wait, wait. Yeah. I'm actually not climbing it because I'm growing in yeah. theological knowledge because my heart remains sitting in front of this tree on the forest level. And I don't have compassion enough to say, hey, all these all these Christians, my friends, even these like different Christian teachers and authors and preachers and theologians are all trying so hard to understand yeah. the mystery and complexities of the God of everything. Yeah, yeah. And I feel like, I mean, I've heard this saying, there's a real danger in the space where you know enough about a topic yeah. to think you're right, yeah. but not enough yet to know that you're wrong. You know enough about something, fill in the blank for, for anything. Yeah. You know enough to really think you're right, but not enough to know you're well wrong. Not to say I'm wrong or you're wrong or everybody's wrong about what they believe. Not at all. It kind of comes back to the willingness to be able to say, hey, I'm wrong. I was wrong. Um, but I feel like the more I grow in my faith, the more mature I get, the I, I know more about God now than I did then. And I also know um, <laughs> there's way more of him to know that I don't understand than I thought back then. I thought I had God figured out. Um, therefore, I was judgy. Therefore, I was mad at other people for not knowing what I just learned about last week. Totally, man. Um, and that's totally. not love, and that's not compassion. And Jesus, as he modeled this climbing of consciousness to see the bigger picture, did so with love and compassion. When you care more about theology than you do about people, man, <laughs> you yeah. need to stop yeah. and check yourself right there. Yeah, because man. knowledge puffs up. And if you keep going, I mean, you're going to need even more religion ha- religion rehab because of it next yeah. year at this time. Yeah. Love yeah. and compassion or or go back down to where it was <laughs> to to the to the stair or the level or the rung that you forgot it. Yeah. Go back and get it wherever you left it. Yeah. Man, and I hope you you all know like we're preaching to ourselves. Yeah. <laughs> right now, probably more than anybody. Um I'm rehabbing yeah, while we're doing dude. this podcast this is this is just free therapy for us i think um it makes me think of of paul and all of his letters mm-hmm. where he's writing to these churches and i know that they're wrestling with these like deep theological issues and trying to figure out the mysteries of god and then he just starts every letter with a hey, just grace grace peace mm-hmm. grace and peace 
to you. Like everybody, just take a deep breath. Everybody go easy on yourselves. This is like, we're trying to figure this out together. Yeah. So like church in Corinth, I've got some words for you because you've, <laughs> you, you missed it. Yeah. However, uh-huh. that doesn't mean that I don't love you. Grace and peace, like let's figure this out together. Yeah. You know, it's just such a better heart posture. So I, I love that, man. Are we growing in compassion? And if we're, if the answer is no, then let's stop the intellectual ascent yeah. uh, because we missed. It's like trying to leave the house, but your car keys are still up in your room, you know? Yeah. And like you're rushing out the house, but it's like, it's not going to do you any good unless you go back and get your car keys, unless we go back and get compassion and love. That was an on the spot metaphor. Man, what are we doing? That, that was, was good. good. Yeah, it was good, man. What a night. All right, we got to keep going or else this is going to be a two hour <laughs> episode. Four hour. Okay, number two. You start number two, okay? <laughs> All right. Uh, number two, I wrote down, surrender your desire to be right for an opportunity to be free. Surrender your desire to be right for an opportunity to be free. I'll set it up this way. Um, we're in the middle of a series on Genesis, fruit, trees, and fig leaves, and uh, you gave a great sermon on Sunday. Thanks, man. By the way, um, and I'm getting ready uh, for week four, where uh, I'm talking about fig leaves. Mm-hmm. And so the question that I'm posing is, where did you get those fig leaves? Which is a callback to Genesis three, after the fall in the garden, Adam and Eve grab fig leaves and they try to cover themselves up and hide their their nakedness from mm-hmm. God and from each other. You guys know the story. And what's interesting about that is, is as human beings, uh, we all do this, mm-hmm. right? Uh, we all try to hide at some level behind any number of things, right? It might be accomplishments. It might be followers on social media. It might be relationships. It might be money. It might be uh, it could be any number of things. One of the big ones for me historically has been a desire to be right, mm-hmm. like a desire to have the, the correct answer. Mm-hmm. And um, uh, I'll talk about it more as we go um, and talk about it more in a few weeks. But one of the things that you've helped me see and that I think we all need to remember this week is that we think we're going to find freedom uh, like we think that fig leaves are going to give us freedom. I think that if I'm right enough times, I'm mm-hmm. going to uh, be good enough that I'll be free from this like this like fear deep down inside of me that I'm not enough. Mm-hmm. So if I give the right answer enough, if I have the best point, if I explain how to grow in consciousness well enough, then I'll be free from this like deep down rooted fear that I'm not enough. And the reality is, is the fig leaf is a lie. The fig leaf is is a false way to freedom. And so what I would say here is if we can learn how to uh, identify our desire to be right for what it is, yeah. a fig leaf that we're hiding behind, we can actually trade it in for the, the real freedom, hmm. which is understanding who we are in Christ, understanding who God created us to be. Yeah. Right. And and God, when he was going for a walk in the coolness of the day, yeah. looking at Adam and Eve like, hey, what are you guys doing? Yeah. Like, like we're, we're good. You don't have to do that right now. If we can lower our guard and, and, and put down our desire to be right, we can actually find 
some true freedom. That's good. Does that make sense? Yeah, 100%. Your desire to be right is not going to finally be satisfied by the next time you're right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like I'm not like, isn't like the eighth time that I'm right is not going to be the magic number. Or just a big, I want to be right about a big thing. Yeah. One big thing <laughs> yeah, yeah. and then I'll be good. <laughs> totally, man. Yeah. Totally. I mean, that really is like an addict. It's like an alcoholic yeah. Yeah. thinking the next drink is going to finally do it for me. Yeah, man. You know? So, um, yeah, so so this point in this whole mm-hmm. podcast episode, um, I, I wanted to include this point specifically this week because um, this week something really sad happened yeah. in, in the world. Um, and can I say this just to set you up for that because I think I know where you're going. Go. Because I used to scroll on YouTube um, and try to find, and it's all clickbaity titles uh, yeah, yeah, of yeah, like yeah, the, yeah. the Christian atheist debate. Yeah. Where the title is Christian and Atheist go head to head. Christian destroys atheist. (laughs) The Christian demolishes the atheist. The atheist goes home crying. And I'd click it and watch it happen. And something in me, it's not just enough to want the Christian to be right. I want to see that angry atheist be wrong. Mm. And that's a horrible thing in me. Yeah. The fact that that kind of clickbaitiness like draws in Christians. Like if you want to see that just to be kind of affirmed and grow in your faith, if that's going to build your faith and your trust, then awesome if you're there to learn. But just to like, I feel like that can kind of become, I mean, how many times have you listened to the exact same debate with the same questions and same answers? It's like, you can't be right enough times for that to be satisfied. And so the debate's great. Sure. But the heart posture going into it can so quickly be, I want to see this guy be wrong. It's not just yeah. enough for me to be right. Yeah. 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 So thank you for that setup. Mm-hmm. Um, because on, on Tuesday, uh, a man named Ravi Zacharias passed away, mm-hmm. uh, lost a fight with, with cancer. And um, if you don't know, Ravi is one of the most brilliant men, um, human beings in the world, um, and I'm not just talking about the Christian world, like the guy is mm-hmm. absolutely brilliant. Like I think the way that we talk about C.S. Lewis today, mm-hmm. I think in the generations to come, they will talk about Ravi that way. Mm-hmm. Um, brilliant, brilliant mind. Um, but he would uh, have lots of nights where he would hold debates and discussions with uh, different people that had different worldviews than him. Um, I got to attend a bunch of them. Um, and in fact, on my like year, this was like six years ago. He came to the seminary that I was uh, I was at school at, and he was on the stage with three other um, gentlemen who all held a different worldview than him. Mm-hmm. Um, one man was Jewish, one was an atheist, one was agnostic, and then there was Ravi, and they had this two hour long conversation, and and they're all they're all super smart, and it was yeah. a, a thought provoking night. But by far the thing that stuck out to me. Uh, man, more than, more than anything else is that all three of the other guys at some point in the night got up and just talked about Robbie and they said nothing about how brilliant he is, although he is, 
they said everything about how compassionate he is, yeah. about how caring he is, about how he would just like sit and listen yeah. to them backstage and yeah. have conversations with them uh, and share meals together and just be a human being with them. Yeah. And so all of them would say, I disagree with the things that he is saying, but I love him as, as a human being. <sighs> and man, to me, like that's, that's what this is all about. Right. Like that's that. Right. If you get nothing else from from this whole thing, that's what we're going after. Yeah. Right. Because you're talking about the most brilliant Christian. Yeah, dude, he could. He and could. He, yeah. He prefers he, to listen instead of talk. He could humiliate anyone. Yeah. He could he could rationalize and, and figure out a way to, to. But he doesn't do it. No, he never. I never watched. Did. Yeah, I watched a video yesterday and it was this angry young kid, this angry yeah. uh, atheist, and he was kind of, you could feel the heat and the fire behind his question. He was mad about yeah, something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I was like getting mad at this kid. Yeah. And then Ravi got up and with so much grace and love for this guy, answered his question. And then at the end, he said, Hey, will you come up and I, he's like, I, I live for conversations with guys like you. That's why God put me on this planet, not to show you that you're wrong, but to just talk and mm-hmm. hear how you got to your conclusions. And he said, will you meet me at the front of the stage after the debate's over? I love that so yeah. much, dude. That's just, that's it's who freedom. he is. It's freedom. That's who he is. And, yeah. and he's free and he's, he's even more free now. Um, but that yeah, point. G- Jesus does not need you to be his defense attorney. So good, man. And I think Ravi knows that when yeah. you know God yeah. the way he does, you know, yeah. I'm going to stick up for him. Yeah. Um, but he, his reputation, yeah. him being who he is, does not live and die off of how I answer these tough questions. That's it, man. Yeah. He's so constant good. regardless. So good. Yeah. So we love you, Ravi. We appreciate you. Mm-hmm. And uh, if you don't know Ravi Zacharias, look him up, support his ministry and his family and, and all of that. Um, but yeah, surrender your need to be right for an opportunity to be free. Um, because I'm telling you, you're going to end up having way more fruitful conversations with people who have different worldviews than you if you're just willing to, to listen and to love and to be free as opposed to needing to be right. And once again, just a full circle to get to the backstory before their hey. beliefs or behavior. There it is. The backstory. This is all connected. That's what Jesus went for. It's all connected. Oh, man. All right. I'm going to try to make this next one short, you guys. Um, But point number three, and I just wrote down silence and solitude because um, honestly, and Jesus said it's knowledge that puffs up and it's relationship that he's after. and, um, And you can't do that if you're not hearing from God. And Jesus modeled this kind of lifestyle where he was in the thick of it with people and community and friends and he was pastoring and preaching and doing miracles. Mm -hmm. But he balanced that out with what I'll call the eremos, which is the the Greek word for Mm -hmm. every time in the gospels where you'll hear, oh, Jesus withdrew to a quiet place. He, he got away to the wilderness. He went up onto a mountainside to be by himself and pray. That's the Eremos, and yeah. it simply means the quiet place with God. So even to pull that into 2020, uh, you could be on top of a mountain by yourself, but if you have your iPhone, I'm like, you're not really in the Eremos. Um, just you and him, because that's called 
proximity. We already talked about proximity with people who share different beliefs than you, but proximity with God. And this is 1 Kings 19, just to remind you, maybe you've heard this, maybe this is the first time, but I love this passage from the Old Testament. Then a great and powerful wind tore the mountains apart and shattered the rocks before the Lord, but the Lord was not in the wind. After the wind, there was an earthquake, but God was not in the earthquake either. And then after the earthquake came a fire, but the Lord was not in a fire. And then after the fire came Mm. a gentle whisper. And it was the whisper, the whisper that Elijah heard God's voice in. The Hebrew word for whisper is the word damama. It's my favorite Hebrew word. Damama. Damama. And it means gentle whisper or a still, small whisper voice. And so God has an outdoor voice and knows how to use it and knows how to get the attention of humanity when he wants to. But oftentimes he speaks to us in a whisper. And here's a quote by Mark Batterson that explains why. When someone speaks in a whisper, you have to get very close to hear. We lean toward a whisper, and that's what God wants. The goal of hearing the Heavenly Father's voice is not just hearing His voice, it's intimacy with Him. And that's the real goal. Like all the spiritual disciplines we have are simply avenues, including silence and solitude is not in itself the point, nor is hearing from God, nor is climbing the ladder of consciousness, right? It's simply intimacy with God. And that's why God speaks in a whisper. He wants to be as close to us as divinely possible Mm -hmm. because he loves you that much. And so if you ever wonder, maybe you're in a place right now where you wonder why it's so hard to hear from God. And you're like, God, you say that you have good plans for my life. Jeremiah 29, 11. You have, you're not, you don't want to harm me. You got good plans. I kind of would like a brochure in color that has all the plans and purposes that you have for my life. Shout it from the mountaintop, open the heavens and scream it to me. But God whispers, He whispers because he wants you to lean in. Because once again, all those other things are simply avenues for intimacy and proximity with God. That is the ultimate goal. A higher consciousness to be able to see the forest instead of just like trees. Mm -hmm. Um, The whole motivation behind building bridges rather than setting up more barriers. Um, How you're truly going to start seeing the backstory rather than the behavior or love people more than you love listening to a podcast is proximity with God because that's where you adopt his, his heart. And so that's hard to do. However, right now, and we've said this a few times, you have a real opportunity in a pandemic Mm. to get alone and have silence and solitude And just watch how it scares you at first when you don't have a song on in the background and you don't have a Netflix show on in the background while you're cooking dinner and there's no noise to distract you from what you're really feeling and from what's always been there. Silence and solitude gives you a chance to face it with God. Faith won't fix what you won't face. But faith gives you the ability to face the facts and God wants to go there with you because his desire really is, hey, I want, I want to take this journey up with you. Mm. But if my son had to get up on a mountain by himself, yeah, you guys do too. Silence and solitude. I don't know if you have anything you want to add to that. If you do, make it quick. 
I'll just piggyback off that for point number four to, to land this thing. Okay. Um, Look at us landing the plane. Well, we say that now. <laughs> we'll see. <laughs> Guys, we're landing the plane. Uh, Clear the runway. A <laughs> couple minutes. Um, I put for my fourth point, uh, become more like Jesus, which is so obvious. Like, you didn't need us to tell you that. Um, and yet, the whole reason that and we're doing any of these first seven things, like mm-hmm. learning to listen or getting to the Eremos and silence and solitude, or or surrendering our right to be to or our, our desire to be right for our opportunity to be free. The reason we're doing any of that is ultimately because we're trying to be more like like Jesus. Mm-hmm. So I'll say it this way. I'll just end with with a story. Um, for me, all through my twenties was. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm a nerd, like you always say at the beginning of these podcasts. And so I believe that God gave me a a mind that, that I'm supposed to use. Um, and I love to, to read and I love to listen to podcasts. I love to, to, um, think, you know, and, and, um, so all through my twenties, I I really dove, uh, into the deep end and, and took a, a deep plunge into theology. And I was learning from all of these like very brilliant human beings, um, and the, the intellectual ascent is a, can be a, a very good thing. Um, it can also, my experience, what was happening is it was the, the, I wasn't bearing any good fruit. I wasn't, I was getting smarter. I was knowing, I was learning things about Jesus, but I wasn't, I wasn't becoming more like him mm-hmm. as I went. It's like I wanted the the facts and the knowledge for the sake of the facts and the knowledge instead of for the the fruit. I wanted the facts instead of the fruit. There it is, right? I like it. Um, and and one of the things that was happening is I was I was looking at um, or a, a lot of the like the men and the women that I was learning from. I was starting to to look at them and getting I was getting disheartened because it felt like uh, the more that you knew about the Bible, the more uh, dogmatic you were and the, the bigger of a, of a jerk that, that you were. And, and so in my like young mind, I would think like, wait, so is that the end of the road? Like we're just going to keep studying and studying and studying. And as we go, we're going to become less compassionate and less loving. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't want that. And I remember driving up, um, I was living in California at the time. I, I drove up to Northern California um, because uh, this guy named Tim Mackey was doing a, a conference. Uh, if you don't know Tim, uh, Bible Project, just a stud, great scholar, theologian. Um, and I, I get to this conference, and they have like this this day early thing where it's just a few people in the room. Um, you know, and I, I walk in and he's there with his whiteboard and there's just a few of us and he gets up and he's just riffing for three hours and it's absolutely brilliant. Right. And then he goes to a Q and a section and people get up and they start asking him very basic elementary questions. And what I'm used to at this point, as I'm going through seminary and, and whatever is the majority of the time I see like a softball question be asked to somebody uh theologians love to take that as an opportunity to to flex and to prove how much they they know and how how smart they are Mm. and over and over and over again tim would get these questions and he would just go huh yeah yeah that's a good question what what are your thoughts on that right like throwing the ball back and and just being like just being a human being 
Yeah. Just being like like Jesus and yeah. engaging in conversation uh, as opposed to to trying just to to be right and, and to assert himself. So anyways, um I got in the car and I was driving to my hotel and I called you. Yeah. I don't know if you remember this. It was a I think it was a Thursday evening and I was in tears um because it was like it was like seeing a guy live it out. Seeing a guy who who climbed this intellectual ladder and continued to be humble and continued to be compassionate and continued to to love really well in the process, it rehabbed like years of, of stuff for me um, because I, I realized, no, the intellectual sense is not the problem. That's a beautiful thing. Go Absolutely. do it. Go after it. It's great. Just remember the, the whole point is to become more like Jesus as you go. And I, I really like the car key analogy. So I'll, I'll say it one more time, rushing out of your house cause you're late for work. But if you left your car keys in your room, it doesn't matter how fast you're running through your house, you're, you're not going to get anywhere. Um, and so as, as we learn and as we grow together, if we left compassion and love behind, um, doesn't matter. It doesn't matter where we're going. We have to stop. We have to turn around. We have to go back and get that first. Um, and I'm the first to admit I'm preaching to myself. We turn around, we go, we get that first, and then we we move forward together because the ascent is not the goal, man, the journey. Miley Cyrus, I think, said something about that, right? It's the climb, baby. Come on, man. So become more like Jesus is, is what I would say. That's so good. Well, we'll wrap it up there. Yeah. Because when you become more like Jesus, you're effective. And one thing we've been saying a lot recently is God never called you just to be right all the time. He called you to be effective and helpful. And uh, I think I said this this past Sunday, but we have a lot of Christians right now in person, but even more so on social media. And I mean, we just have to acknowledge how screens have this weird way Mm. of like, you will type things <laughs> in a tone that you would never say it to that person face to face. And standing yeah. up for your beliefs in the, yeah. the First Amendment, of course, is your right. But being like Jesus is your calling. Yeah. That's your calling. And I'll remind all of us, even, even you and me, Jesus spent all of his life laying down most of his rights. Yeah. So he could be Jesus to people. Yeah. Our job is to be Jesus to people. I think right now we've got Christians running around quoting Jesus without the tone Jesus Mm. said it in. And so I'm like, oh man, okay, congrats. We are somehow succeeding in being right and being the problem at the same time. (laughs) Because you missed the heart of God and you missed the tone. And uh, you can quote him all day, but you only get the tone of Jesus when you know him. And become like him. There's no other way, I don't think, to mimic the tone or to practice it. I mean, that comes by knowing the heart of God. Because it gets in you. Therefore, it's what comes out of you. So Jesus is the answer, is what we're trying to say? Jesus is the answer. Turns out. <laughs> yeah, the point of all of this. Turns out. Even these Always. Eight, yeah, these eight points that are brilliant, by the way. Oh, yeah. So good. Crush it. Yeah. And this, all these metaphors of cars and... Amazon towers and the forest and the trees and it's so good. It's all about Jesus. Always only him. He's what's going to transform this world. And so yeah, climb back down to the ladder 
climb back down to the level or the rung yeah. or the stair where you traded people for knowledge or for being right. Yeah. I'm not sure. But it's not worth climbing any higher until you go back and get it. And I, you and I have both done that, man, maybe a hundred times in our lives. And so, yeah, man. yeah. you want to pray yeah. for us? Yeah, let's pray. Father, we thank you so much uh, that you made a way uh, as we try to put the right words together um, to move forward in this world. Uh, it's funny, we just keep ending back at the same destination, which is you, Jesus. And so for anyone listening, um, I pray that that truth would sink down into their hearts, into our hearts a little bit deeper this week, that we would carry that love and that compassion with us as we go, as we move into new territory and new frontiers and make disciples in this brand new world. We trust you. We love you. We give you the glory in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, thanks for listening to today's episode. We hope this conversation both inspired and encouraged you. Rebuilding and restoring the foundations of our faith is a long journey. So remember, we're in this together, and we'll see you next time for another episode of Religion Rehab.